Father, I thank you so much this morning for bringing us here. I thank you for this space where we can gather around these tables. We can hear your word and have fellowship with sisters who love you. I ask that you would calm our hearts and minds, that you would enable us to engage with you, Holy Spirit, as you are here among us, and that you would enable us to be changed and challenged and corrected where necessary from your word. Would you uh, go before us into our small groups um, in a little while and allow those discussions to be pleasing and edifying, um, bringing glory to you and um, encouragement to our sisters. And Father, I ask that you would allow um, my words and my thoughts to be pleasing to you as we walk through this passage um, and I will be sure and certain to give you all the praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we are now at the end of Peter's letters um, and the end of our semester of study together, as we have heard Peter's message for the last eight weeks, and, um, and we've read and studied and discussed I think there really is no better way to begin this last morning together um, looking at Peter's writings by reading, the, there's no better way than by reading 2 Peter 3, verse 1. This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere heart by way of reminder. And you're not surprised, right, when you read this passage in 2 Peter for chapter 3, we're not surprised that he's reminding us again because he's been using that language all along, all through 1 Peter and now into 2 Peter, he has been reminding us and calling us to be at attention, to be on our guard, to um, be aware and alert Peter has been calling us to this all along. And so he says again, I am stirring up your sincere heart by way of reminder. And I couldn't help but wonder why in the world is he always stirring up our sincere heart by way of reminder? Why is he always asking us to be aware and alert? And I think the answer is because we have to, we, that we do have to be constantly reminded because daily life dulls us to reality. Daily life dulls us to reality. So before we go any further, one last pop quiz. What are the four themes that we have been following over the last eight weeks as we've looked at Peter's letters? Call them out. Identity. Identity. Hope. Number three, how we live. And what's the last one? Influence. Identity is in the Lord Jesus, who gives us our hope and compels us to live lives that are holy and godly. And because of that, we have influence on the people that the Lord Jesus places in our paths. And so again, we have to be constantly reminded because daily life dulls us to reality. And what is it that Peter is reminding us about right now? Verse 2, that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior 
through your apostles. So what is he calling us to remember? He's calling us to remember all of scripture, all that God has given us through his servants, the prophets and the apostles, all that Jesus spoke to us in his time here on earth. That is what God, uh, Peter is calling us to remember. That phrase, the predictions of the holy prophets, alludes to a shorthand that people in Peter's time would use to reference the entirety of the Hebrew, script, the Hebrew scriptures. So Peter's not calling us to one little thing. He's calling us to know the word of God because his second phrase there is, and the commandment of the Lord Jesus, which points to all of the teaching that the Lord Jesus gave us as he was here on earth. Just as Jesus said at the end of Matthew, when he said that we are to obey all the commands that we have been given. Actually, both of the, that verse that Jesus in, speaks in Matthew 28, as well as this verse, um, have echoes to Joshua 22.5, where Joshua tells us that we are to be very careful to obey the commandments and the laws that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. To love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to obey his commands, to hold firmly to him, and to serve him with all of our heart and all of our soul. That's what Peter is referring to. All of the law and prophets, all of the commands that Jesus gave us. So again, we have to be constantly reminded because daily life dulls us. And I was listening to a podcast recently and the host and the guest were talking about how as Christ followers, we're actually called to kind of live life like bird watchers. Do I have any bird watchers in here, anyone? I know, and it's addictive. Once you start, you just can't stop. But as a bird watcher, you have to be aware and alert. You're using your senses, your physical senses. And, and an experienced bird watcher, just the slightest color or the few little notes of a bird song, catch them. And they immediately see something that a lot of us who are dull to that don't see. In fact, bird watchers are so observant that, and patient and diligent that as they watch, they will often catch a bird, catch sight of a bird that they have not ever seen, but they've been waiting for patiently. That's how we are to live our lives as Christ followers. Diligent, vigilant, continuing on, paying attention. That's what Peter is calling us to. That's what he is reminding us of, we need to be watchful like a bird watcher. So Peter goes on in verse, in verse 3 saying, knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. I asked myself the question, why would this be of first importance in Peter's mind? Well, again, back to the be diligent, be vigilant. It's of first importance in Peter's mind because he's telling us if we don't have a plan, if we aren't aware, then it's likely that we will be easily discouraged or led astray ourselves. Peter's telling us to have a plan, to be prepared. And then he gives an example of some of the scoffing. 
in verse 4, they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Peter then refers to the flood and then reminds us in verses 7 and verse 10 that the day of the Lord is certain and sure. We can count on it just as um, Christ's followers in the early church were able to point back to Jesus Christ coming and say the prophets predicted the coming of the Messiah and he came. Peter's saying here, the prophets predicted the day of the Lord and we can count on it. It's going to come just as the Messiah came. Over and over again, through both of these letters, Peter has uses pay attention language. And verse 8 is another one of those. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved. Do not overlook that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should re reach repentance. This, this verse 7, or I'm sorry, verse 9, again, I feel like P Peter is alluding to a passage that he would know from the Hebrew scriptures, Exodus 34, 6. The Lord, the Lord, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness to those who love him. Peter's calling on his knowledge of the Hebrew scriptures and is in, that is influencing and forming his message to us. The Lord is patient. He's merciful. He's gracious. So Peter goes on and talks about the day of the Lord coming like a thief in the night. And because we can't know when a thief is going to come specifically, we need to be prepared for that just as we need to be prepared for the day of the Lord. And how do we do that? Peter goes on in verse 11 to, to call us to live holy and godly lives. Uh, these are some words that Christine talked about a couple weeks ago. Holy, set apart, different. We, our lives look different than those who do not, do not know the Lord Jesus. We respond differently. We engage differently. We have different motivations because we know that our identity comes from the Lord Jesus and we live out of the hope that comes from that, we look different. And Peter also calls us to live godly lives. Again, Christine talked about this a couple weeks ago. It mean, in this context, godly means the right attitude before God. I, am I living in a posture before God where I acknowledge him in all of my ways? Have I surrendered and submitted my plans to him and, and acknowledged that he is the one who does the work in me, that I don't work for my salvation. That is complete in the Lord Jesus. And yet I work out my salvation because I have been changed and I'm living out of the hope that he has given us. So I li we, live, uh, we become prepared by living holy and godly lives. And the way that Peter writes that phrase, it's an active present tense, meaning I continue to live holy and godly life throughout the rest of my days. It's that sanctification process. So Peter goes on to talk a little more about the coming day of the Lord and how according to the promises, remember those promises that the 
what the prophets predicted, the promises, according to those, we are waiting for a new heaven and a new earth. And then verse 14, therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, the new heaven and the new earth, since we're waiting for those, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. Be diligent and at peace. They are actually not contradictory. We're diligent because we are at peace. We're at peace because we know who gives us our identity and and who gives us our hope. And out of that hope, out of that identity, we're diligent to continue living lives that are holy and blameless, holy, and godly. So after calling us to diligence and peace, Peter squeezes two more action phrases into the last few few sentences of this passage. In verse 17, he says, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard or take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. And then he concludes by saying, But grow. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So I can almost hear Peter take a deep breath as he closes this letter. To me, there's been a sense of urgency, particularly in the second one, when he, where he started by saying, I know my time is short and there are a few more things that I need to say to you. So there was definitely a feeling of urgency to to convey his final words and to share his last instructions. Um, this is the last we hear from Peter in the scriptures. Um, it, is, it is believed that shortly after this, he did in fact um, die. He was martyred for his faith in the Lord Jesus. So he's put his pen down and he's passed his baton. And, he, and, and knowing that he has called us to remember, he has called us and challenged us to not overlook He's called us to be diligent. He has stirred up our sincere hearts by way of remembrance to be at peace and to be on our guard and to grow, to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So before I continue, I would love for all of us to take just a minute and think about a particular um, situation of struggle that you have in your life right now. Whether it's struggle because you have to dust every day. I hate dusting. I mean, that is a struggle. And it's funny, haha, but it's not really. Um, you know, maybe your struggle is a difficult relationship, um, an excruciating diagnosis. Maybe your struggle is that you, the coworkers that you have every day are just discouraging. Um, maybe your struggle is mundane, like mine. Um, where it just can seem like the days are the same. Every day is the same, and there doesn't ever seem to be any change or anything um, that you are maybe looking forward to. All of those are places of struggle. And so just take a second, take a few seconds, and come up with one word that describes your current struggle and write it down um, in your in your book or on a note card. One word. We're not going to share these with our friends um, around our table. You can maybe do that if you'd like to in your small group. But just write down one word 
that describes your um, current struggle. Okay, so we're going to come back to those words in just a couple minutes. But before we do, let's look one more time at Peter's message. He has given us very clearly, he's told us why he has written these letters to us. Um, and he tells us very clearly, in order to stir up our sincere hearts by way of reminder, so that we are diligent to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why did Peter write these letters? In order to stir up our sincere hearts by way of reminder, so that we are diligent to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So just to get a little bit more practical, my question is, how do we do this? And what does it even mean to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus? Um, these were questions that were often on repeat, particularly in my early 30s. Um, as a result of a series of difficult situations, um, some more what we would call dramatic than others, um, the Lord Jesus got my attention. And I had been a follower of the Lord Jesus for many years by that point. And yet in this season in particular, he put his hands on the side of my face and he said, Lisa, it's me and you and we're going get to get to work. Um, and through those, that series of difficult situations, he brought me to a place of finally being in agreement with him about the sin that had entangled me for so long. And as a result, I began to have a feeling of desperation that I couldn't learn all of it quickly enough. All of it meaning all of scripture quickly enough. I mean, verse two, ladies, what did, what did Peter say to us? That we, we need to uh, remember the predictions of the prophets and the commands of the Lord and Savior. And in that season, I just felt desperate to learn as much as I could, as quickly as I could. And somehow, in my frantic desperation, the Holy Spirit prompted me to take one step of obedience. So the first question that I would ask is, how do we grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus? And to me, it became a very simple answer, one step of obedience at a time. Great. One step of obedience at a time. That's a nice, quick, concise little phrase. But what does that even mean? What to, so a couple different things um, came to mind as I thought about what does that even mean? How does, I wanted to ask the question, what does faithful growing even look like? Well, I think we can look back at verse 14 again and see kind of clearly what faithful growing would look like. It requires diligence and it invites us to be at peace. Faithful growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus requires diligence and invites us to be at peace. And my second question was, what does faithful growing feel like? This one is a little bit more uh, to me, if I'm just being quite honest. Faithful growing can often feel somewhat boring, um, somewhat mundane, 
It's not often exciting. It doesn't even always happen in dramatic situations. It's definitely not showy. I was listening to a podcast by John Mark Comer recently, and he was talking to Andy Crouch, and they were kind of laughing about um, what would it look like if someone were to make a movie or a documentary about Christian formation, about someone growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they, they kind of laughed at each other and said, that would be the most boring movie or documentary ever because it comes in the mundane and the dull. It's in those situations where we are formed, where we are changed, because the Holy Spirit knows the exact best learning environment for each of us. And a lot of times, it's in the dull and in the mundane. Um, at another point in that same podcast, John Mark Comer said, ordinary life is the seedbed of our spiritual formation. Ordinary life, ladies, the dusting, the coworker that is difficult, the neighbor that has their fence on your side of the line, um, the dog that doesn't stop barking, the child that is sick again, um, the, the parent that is a little bit more needy than you'd hope they would be at this point in your life. Um, all of those are everyday things. And there are dramatic moments. There are dramatic moments where, yes, the, the Lord Jesus might um, catch our attention more significantly. And yet the formation is in the daily life and in the daily living. So how do we do this? How do we take one step of obedience at a time? Well, I just want to affirm you you're doing it right now. You have chosen to study the word of God in community, and that is a huge way that we choose to take one step of obedience. What might be some other ways that we can do this? These are just two of my current favorite um, disciplines that the Lord Jesus has invited, has invited me into. Um, look back at that word that you wrote on your paper and that is your description of your current struggle. And I would just challenge you to look in scripture and find out what Jesus says about that word that you wrote. Find the scripture that you can meditate on as you go through the dull and mundane parts of your life so that you might be encouraged, not by just kind of some vague understanding, but by a very specific word from the Lord that is in his word. You can Google it. You can use a Bible reference to find a verse that speaks to that struggle and then meditate on that. And in the dull and in the mundane, he will begin to form you through the truth of that word. My second and um, also current favorite method of um, training is the Bible Project app. Bible Project, um, I know all or many of us at least are very familiar with the videos that they have for many themes in scripture and every book of the Bible. They have podcasts and blog posts um, and many other resources available to us. But in January of this year, they launched a new app and they have been walking through the first five books of the Bible since January. We just got to Deuteronomy um, at the beginning of October. And what they have done in this app 
is in the scripture reading, they have linked all of the blog posts and videos and podcasts that are related to those particular passages. And it's all right there. And ladies, I, I'm not, I don't think I'm overstating it by saying this has been one of the most formative years of study in scripture for me because of the time that I've spent with the Bible Project in the first five books of the Bible. Um, you may have heard people over the years say that everything in scripture is found in the Torah and everything in the Torah is found in Genesis and everything in Genesis is found in the first, on the first page of Genesis. And I, I've always been kind of like, okay, okay, or whatever. Now I'm like, everything in scripture is found in the Torah and everything in the Torah is found in Genesis and everything in Genesis is found in the first page of the Bible. Um, I, I can't <laughs> recommend it to you enough. It has been remarkably significant in my life this year, and I'm excited to see going forward. So I'm um, out of time, but I just want to mention a couple more conclusion um, phrases. So 20 years ago, um, it, after that series of events that were difficult, um, the Lord Jesus so kindly gave me a ravenous appetite for his wor word. Um, and I didn't feel like I had enough time. Um, I had a lot of people in my life that needed me to make meals for them and um, clean up messes and all of the things. I had to keep actually doing life while I was reading scripture and learning about what he had called me to and growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus, all of these distractions. But actually in those dull and mundane moments, that's where the work was done. And the Holy Spirit provided the time. And as I said earlier, the Holy Spirit knew exactly the best learning environment for me. And he knows the exact best learning environment for each of us in this room. He knows exactly what we need to have in our lives so that our faces will be turned toward him and that our appetite for him will be stirred up and our hearts will be stirred up, like Peter says. And he knows what we need so that we will grow like him. I'm still ravenous for the word. I still don't feel like there's enough time, but his faithfulness is steadfast. His love is steadfast. His beauty is unimaginable. When he began to stir that in my heart, even what he had already told me was enough. And I could have gone and seen him face to face at that moment, but he's given me the gift of 20 more years. And I'm grateful for that. And every day and every lesson is gift upon gift because he gave me the greatest gift to begin with. And now he's revealing more and more of himself as I continue to grow. He lit a fire in me and has called me to his place. So one more time, verse 14. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, the new heaven and the new earth, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. So ladies, don't forget your identity. Live out of the hope that he gives us 
because he's called us to influence the people around us, the people he's placed in our paths. And he grows us in grace and knowledge in the mundane and the dull and the daily because he loves us. Amen. Let me pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We are so very grateful that you call us to yourself out of your own kindness and mercy and grace. It is that kindness that leads us to repentance, and we are grateful. I ask that you would just continue to do your good work as you've promised to do, that you will make us into your likeness, and that we will reflect your glory to the people that you've placed in our paths. Continue to hold us in those places of learning. Help us to trust you that you do, in fact, know the best learning environment for each of us. We love you, and we ask that you would fill us with more love for you. In Jesus' name, amen.